and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen. This is Brother Frank, and I'm back for another episode on the Remnant Call. I want to thank everybody for being here. Uh, it's another Thursday. We've made it through another week. That means we are one week closer to the second coming of the Lord Jesus, Yeshua. He's coming back for his church very soon. He's coming back to get his bride, to get his people. And folks, I'm asking a question tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord when he comes back? That's a question we need to ask ourselves every day. Are we ready? How is our walk with the Lord? How is our relationship with him? Because, folks, I'll tell you, it's very interesting. Um, and and not, to, not to go over this again and again, but I want to say this is a word of warning, especially to those that are in the watchman community that's out there, that's, that's in the know, that are awake and, and alert. Sometimes there is a danger in this community. Of we know what's going on, we see what's going on, but we end up becoming program driven, becoming the next episode, the next warning, the next whatever it is. But rarely then do we actually translate that into real, honest to goodness prayer, seeking God's face in deep Bible study, uh, preparing for the coming of the Lord. Because I'll tell you right now, folks, it is not a time to to slumber. You can be awake and still end up in hell if you don't do anything about it. I tell people all the time, there will be a lot of very obedient people that are in hell because they didn't know the Lord personally. They simply thought that they could just, you know, be into what's going on, go to church, you know, that one day a week, or maybe hit a Wednesday night prayer meeting here and there, and call it good, I'm okay, but actually getting down and weeping and crying out and seeking God with all their heart, sometimes that doesn't happen so much. So I want to encourage you tonight, don't be just a hearer of the word. My wife and I were studying in the book of James last night, and, and how important James expresses that, that if you're just a hearer of the word, your faith is just vanity. It's vanity. Because how can you just only hear about these things and not then do anything about it? How can you hear about taking care of the poor and then never reach out to help anybody? How can you hear about being there for our brethren or weeping when our brethren were and never even call someone to check on them and see how they're doing? Folks, we got to be about the Father's business. This is the hour. Don't wait until the rockets are on the way. Don't wait till the missiles have been launched from the subs before you decide that now is the time to repent. Well, folks, tonight I've got a very special message. It's a timely message because the hour is short, and this is the time when we have to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to buck up, and I'm going to get ready. The title of tonight's message is, A Storm is Coming, but the church doesn't even care. 
Let's pray. Father, in the name above all names, Jesus, I pray in his name that you will awaken our audience tonight to the seriousness of the hour, to the lateness, that the times that we are in, so that we would stop putting off what we know that we are to do at this moment, and that is to pray and seek your face. And that, Lord, you will then show us what we are to do and how we are to best serve in your army in these last days. Lord, I pray that what shall come from my mouth will, will come from your heart, Lord, that you would speak through me, that I would decrease, that you would increase on this show tonight, that when we are done with this program, people will say, you know what? God was in this show, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, tonight's message, like I said, is serious, because this is a serious hour. And I want to open up this tonight with a message from a good friend of mine, Marty Breeden, I shared a vision that he had had last week and on this show, and, and the Lord has been speaking to Marty quite frequently. Now, you might have heard a while ago that Marty was uh, doing a lot of interviews here and there and in different places, but God then laid it on his heart that, you know what, Marty, now is the time for you to minister. It's time for you to minister. So he shut it all down. And now he is doing ministry, as the Lord has called him, by starting a church. Uh, uh, you can go check him out, Marty's uh, Facebook page and everything to get there. Um, they're doing what they believe the Lord is leading them right now to do. But the Lord has been speaking, Marty, and he sent me this the other morning. And I just want to read you what he sent me in his message. Not the actual vision. for. I want you to just hear what he said. Frank. I'm not exaggerating whatsoever when I tell you that this dream last night so shook me that my wife had to literally help me get my gear on this morning because I was so shaken by the encounter. I know how crazy that sounds, brother, but it's true. I was thankful to have 30 minutes to drive to work to gather myself. This is what the dream was. June 27th, 2017. It was a normal day at work. The air became thick with anticipation. Then I heard the alarms go off. The daytime turned into dark greenish skies. Then came the first blast. I was at work. The first blast came with the force of thrust of a tornado. Oddly, it blew my cell phone right out of my hand and my wristwatch right off my wrist. I was with coworkers, but every man and woman was frantic to reach their loved ones. Some people were riding bikes to act as if the event hadn't even happened. Complete and total denial as destruction encompassed all around them. Something happened as they could not communicate normally anymore, even with their speech, because of the trauma of that which had just seen and which is yet to come. I saw one girl who I had went to school with. Her name was Georgia. I spoke to her, and she denied that she even knew me. But I knew her. She passed away years ago. I was confused by this. The warning alarms never stopped. The speaking of instructions never ceased through the massive loudspeakers that seemed to play a pre-recorded message over and over again. Every man, every woman trying with great desperation to reach their loved ones. For if they were separated when this hit, all forms of communication ceased immediately. One had to walk and hope and pray to find loved ones, and when they came together, it was by happenstance or the mercy of God. Even normal and dependable police radio communications were interrupted, not allowing agencies to speak to one another. It was impossible to get out on the radio to speak to command or get instructions or directions. Each officer became his own 
personal command because of separation. Each officer was trying to get to his family to protect them or to discover their fate. Just the desire to see them once again was overwhelming. People had been displaced and the landscape had changed so dramatically that people did not even recognize their own neighborhoods. Day had ceased and only thick greenish air became a constant night. One could no longer tell if there was even a sun that existed. Often the people were not able to discern whether they had arrived home or not. Everything had changed. The landscape had changed. It was all different now, for nothing looked the same. Law and order fell upon each man, and many lost their minds in fearful desperation. I saw men in suits running frantically through the streets, clashing their heads, screaming out of their minds, for they knew life had changed forever in a second of time. The roaring sounds came, then the impact then the winds, then the greenish night air, then the message again with the seemingly same message blasting again and again. It seemed as if all the plans that had been made, no one was close to being ready. The search was frantic to discover loved ones. I saw the looks of fear and total desperation, the looks of finality. I awoke. Now, folks... That dream lines right up with what the Word of God says. There is coming a time when men's hearts will fail them just for fear of what's going on. And when I read this and I hear what was going on, with what Marty saw in this, it reminds me of what I've known has been coming. And it's that day you wake up that everything has changed, that in one moment an EMP blast goes off or a nuke is dropped somewhere or somebody's hit the communications grid, whatever it may be. And when all that ceases in a moment, there will be panic and chaos and are we ready for that? Are we ready for that? Because there will be such a panic in the air and such a, a frightful fear that will petrify people. If you're not in Jesus completely, if you've not died to self, you're going to be running around like a chicken with your head cut off because you're not going to know where to go. And so I had to share this with you because this is the hour. God has been warning people for years and for decades now trying to say, wake up, there's a time coming. I've been gracious, God, to the people. The Lord's been telling them you know, that he's going to do this. That there's been prophet after prophet. It's been in his word. They've been reconfirming the word. And, and, and now we're coming to that moment when these things are going to begin to happen. And it seems to me like the church is completely ignorant of what's happening. It's like, it's like there's a fog that's rolled in and a daze that has fallen among the, upon the church. And everybody's just sitting there knowing everything's not right, but with a smile on their face, they're saying, praise the Lord Jesus. How are you doing? And they do nothing about it. You know, it's interesting, in 1962, October, was 13 of the absolute closest days we have ever experienced to coming to nuclear war with Russia. When things couldn't get any more intense, a USU-2 spy plane took a wrong turn into Russian territory and almost ignited the war. History shows we were closer than we ever imagined. But it was a different time than we live in today. 
People understood the devastation of nuclear war, and many took preparations to prepare in the event something happened. People would build bomb shelters, the new evacuation routes. They stockpiled up some food. They had their potassium iodide tablets. They were ready in case a war was there. You know, folks, I do IT work, and I've done telecom work. through the, we, I, I've been into radio stations, and there's people who have at home. They still have their bunkers from back then. Still there. You can go into them today. But the reason for this, the reason that people were preparing, the reason that they felt that they needed to get ready is because the threat was absolutely real. It was real. And when the threat is real, people will prepare. Now, folks, I'm here to say tonight the threat is real. This is the hour. This is the time. It's not going to get any easier. The threat is real. Are you willing to prepare? You know, in Proverbs uh, twenty-seven, twelve, it says this, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, now I, I'm a King James reader in, 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 in ancient Aramaic, but I, I just I had to read this to you out of the New English translation. You've got to hear what this same verse says. A shrewd person sees danger and hideth him, hides himself, but the naive keep right on going and suffer for it. Basically, if you see something bad that's about to happen, folks, it's a smart thing to take cover. Let me put it to you this way. If you knew a hurricane was coming, do you think it would be okay maybe to put some plywood over the windows? If you knew that there was a flood coming, do you think maybe it would be all right to put some sandbags around your house? What if you knew that there was a storm that was going to come and it was going to knock out the ability to go to the store for a week or two and get any food? Do you think it would be all right to put a few groceries away? Well, how about this? If gross darkness was about to cover the entire earth and you were going to have to live by faith, do you think it would be okay if you were to seek Jesus with all your heart? Folks, it's okay to prepare. I mean, I, know, I believe in physical preparation. I think it's a great thing. I think everybody ought to put some food away, have, have a plan, have, you know, have a, a bug-out bag. All that thing's great. But the truth is, if you're not ready spiritually, that stuff will not get you anywhere. It will be an absolute vanity if you are not walking right with God. Because the physical preparations are only temporal, maybe even just to get you out of an area or whatever else. You have to be prepared to stand in the Lord, and all your heart and faith has to be trusting in Him. When we see the threat is real, people will prepare. You saw it in 9-11. You remember the planes hit, everything happens, and what happened? Boom, the churches were filled full of people. And a year later, they were empty again. How quickly we forget. You know, it's interesting. So I'm looking all around, and I realize that, you know what? We are in more danger now than we were during 9-11. We're in more danger now than we were even in the 60s. We're in more danger now than we have ever been because there has never been a time in this Earth's history where we could completely not only destroy the world, but if our communications grid walked down, we are so dependent upon technology we don't even know how to function without it anymore. 
People's minds are so saturated with technology that they don't even hardly know how to think correctly without touching their phone or without looking on a computer screen anymore. Because to actually open up the Word of God and to get serious about their relationship is something of the past. I'd rather tweet somebody, uh, hey, I love you in Jesus' name, or hey, please, you know, a verse a day, here's my scripture of the day. But actually studying the Word and getting serious about their walk is something we don't see anymore and we don't hear it in the churches anymore because everybody wants to be relevant and let's do more more car washes for the community and let's do more things like that when I'm trying to say that there's a world dying out there and are we are ready to take this gospel and deliver to a dying people there's hope in the in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world needs to to know that Jesus is coming soon and God's wondering is there a people that even have the courage to stand up in this last hour and do anything about it folks there is a storm coming the church might not care in, at large but do you do you because folks i understand it's always been a remnant of people it's always will be a remnant of people it's never been the majority but you can choose who you want to be in you can be in the mainstream or you can be in the remnant the remnant, the called out. Those who decided, you know what, I don't want what the world has given me. I don't want what the mainstream church has given me. I want to know and follow Jesus with all my heart. I want to be prepared. There's a storm coming, Lord. I know it. I understand it. And I'm getting ready for it. You know, we live in an age when our children are defiant against their parents. Divorce rate we see is rampant in the church, sometimes worse than even in the world. They say our children are more likely to now believe the gospel of E.T. than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Women have taken over the roles of men, and men are wanting to be women. And the media celebrates it, and our church celebrates it and says it's something wonderful. Now, folks, I tell you right now, I love women. Just like we're co-redeemers, husbands, wives, spouses, we're co-redeemers. We're equal in God's eyes, but men, we are supposed to be men. And not cowards. We are supposed to lead our families, our wives, as Christ led the church. And we are to love our wives. We are not to be like women. And women, you're not to be like men. But unfortunately, the men, it's our own fault because we've not stepped up and done the role that God has asked us to do. And so I take this step back and I'm wondering... With all this information, with all this news that's going on, with all these warnings that are happening, with all these people that have, have been crying out and saying, prepare, prepare, why aren't, won't people do it? Why won't people do it? I mean, not just physical, but why won't they prepare spiritually? I find it funny that those who cry out the most against physical preparation in the church, they are the ones that's spending the least amount of time in spiritual preparation. But they love to say, oh, well, if you get any, have any preparation or any food, then that's a lack of faith. And I like to say, well, how much are you spending in your prayer closet getting ready, seeking God with all your heart? Or do you simply just like to criticize other people that are taking it seriously and understanding that we are in the days of Noah, we are in the times of Lot right before the second coming? of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's very interesting. When the angel in, in Ezekiel chapter 9, he goes through the city and the Lord says, Mark, you know, tells him to mark those who are the ones who wept 
and cry over the abominations that were being committed in Jerusalem. And so God says, you know what? See, there's a people down there that understand where I'm coming from. They see the filth that's going on in the world. They see the abominations. They can't stand it. They're crying. They're weeping over it. They're sharing God's heart over this. And he says, I want you to mark those people. And you know what? Everyone else, destroy them because they don't care. They don't care. Because if you shared God's heart, you'd be broken over what's going on in this world today. How can you see such desperation? How can you look upon your poor and the homeless and not care about them and not have compassion for them? And so the question still remains, why in this hour does there seem to be so much fog over God's people in the church? I'm finding out more often that there are more people in the world who are more awake to, the, to the, uh, the times that we're in than even those that are in the church. You can find secular media that's doing a better job of warning than God's own church. And I ask myself, why? But I think I found the answer. And it's in the book of Judges. And so if you've got your Bibles, which I hope you do, turn with me to the book of Judges in chapter 17. Judges chapter 17, and I want to read a few verses here with you. Verse 1, it says this, And there was a man of Mount Ephraim, whose name was Micah. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursest, and spakest also in mine ears, Behold, the silver is with me. I took it, and his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. So here Micah is confessing, look, I took this, so I, I, I did something wrong. I took the silver. Confessing it up, and that's a good thing. It's great. But it's interesting as we're going to read this story, we're going to find out that there's a theme that takes place in the book of Judges, and it happens in about three different uh, places it's mentioned. And this story is one of them here, and I want you to just pay attention here. You know, he's sorry. He starts out, he's sorry for what he's done. And in verse 3, it says, And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord, for my hand from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had an house of gods and made an ephod and a teraphim, and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. And in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, it's interesting. You look at this story here. It starts out great. He took something, he's sad, he's sorry for it, and he comes back and he's feeling repentant. Sounds like a great son. So his mother says, you know what, son? I, listen, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take 200 shekels there, and I'm going to make you a graven image. See, she said, I had dedicated this silver unto the Lord. Now, that word Lord, that's Yahweh. That's not just any god, any false god. She said, this silver is dedicated to Yahweh, the only God, the one true God, the God of Israel, the God of all the universe. I dedicated this, and I'm going to make an, an, 
an image for that. And so Micah, he's, you know, why not? Because he already has a house of God. He already has his own ephod or his, or his breastplate, and he has teraphim, and, and he's already consecrated one of his sons to become a priest, which is outside of the Levitical order to do that. And so he, he has all these things going, here, and he says, then the Bible says, and you look at this, and you're like, how in the world could she take and make up this idol and say it was dedicated to God? And here's Micah, and he says, you know, I've got a son who's a priest. I've got a house full of gods, an ephod, my own breastplate, teraphim, all these you know, statues, all this stuff going on here, and this is all in worship of Yahweh. And then you read in verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, the problem was, in the book of Judges, is that there was no king in that day. See, you, you remember when they, they had uh, rejected Samuel and all that stuff, and they wanted a king like the nations. But see, they were already rejecting God long before that. See, God was their king. He was to re rule over it. And so when the king has been removed out of the land, when the king has been removed out of the believer's life, when the king is no longer in the church anymore, when the king is not sitting at the front of the house of God in worship anymore, and we understand that then the people in the church will do that which is right in their own eyes, and they will call it holy worship and say, this is worship unto Yahweh. This is worship unto the Most High. We're worshiping Jesus Christ. This is Yeshua. We're, doing, we're following the God, but we're doing everything that is right in our eyes in, because there is no king anymore in the churches. Folks, when you have put your pastor as your king, when you have put an elder as your king, when you have put a person in the head of your church, your church is following their own selves, and they are not following Jesus. And that's sadly what is happening in too many churches today. God is not on the throne in the church anymore. And therefore, we've got people that are doing that which is right in their own eyes, and they're calling this stuff holy worship. I can't, I mean, I look here on Facebook, I don't even have a personal Facebook, and I look here on Facebook and I see these videos from people that they're showing videos from like Todd Bentley and these people, like these are false prophets that are just, they're getting stuff for themselves and they're sharing these stuff all over. I'm like, what are you doing? This is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are false prophets. They're prosperity. They want you to do, give them money and do all these things. They're watching these pillow prophets out there and these people with all these false anointings, and they're calling it holy worship. And if you, So what if, you're, if you want to kick somebody in the face, as he said, Todd Bentley said before? We'll call that holy worship. And I'm wondering, what is wrong with the church? What's wrong? They said, Frank, don't call out people's names. I'm telling you the truth. These people are not following God. Because if they're following God, they'd be humble, seeking his face, not spreading false gospels. And this is what we're calling worship today. And so I want to turn over to 2 Timothy, because Paul has something interesting to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and starting in verse 1, it says this, I charge thee, therefore, 
be, uh, therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work of an evangelist make full proof of ministry and so paul saying here listen i there's coming a day and we are here when they will not endure sound doctrine anymore. No, they will be more worried about how they can be relevant in their community by having poetry contests so they can get the world to come in and help them feel fluffy in their church by having coffee and donuts so everybody can come in and just have a great time in church. While in the meantime, people are dying spiritually out there, and if they could offer them maybe a, just a, a loaf of bread from heaven, something that would fill the eternal soul, that maybe people would be filled. And he says, Paul's saying, look, they have itching ears. They only want to hear what they want to hear. And Paul says, look, brothers, look, sisters, preach the word. Preach the word. Do the work of evangelists. We have a work to do. we got to spread the good news. Even though our churches might be doing this, even though there might be stuff doing this, there's got to be a people who say, you know what, enough is enough. I see what they're seeing in Ezekiel, the abominations that are going on out there, and it's breaking God's heart, and it's breaking my heart. But folks, it's not only just in the world and in the churches. Unfortunately, sometimes... It's even in the watchman communities. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are even those in the watchman communities who have lifted themselves up to be gods. And they're the only ones who can tell people and do things. And I'm not coming out to be mean. But the truth is, folks, in this hour, you cannot trust anybody except the Lord to lead you in the right direction. And so I'm all for those out here in the Watchman community, and God bless them. Many of them, they are really strong believers, but there are those who have also set themselves up on high and lifted their ministries up so high that they are the only ones that have the truth anymore. And I'll tell you what, I have seen some vicious things out there. This is a time when we need to get close to Jesus. Yes, they're not enduring sound doctrine anymore, but that doesn't give us an excuse. There are people who act completely religious. They talk the talk, and they love to partake in the things of God. The only problem is that they don't want to do it God's way. They don't want truth anymore. They're saying, please, please tell us religious stuff, brother, but, but make us comfortable to our ears. Please make it so it feels good. Don't tell me I need to change. God loves me just how I am, which I agree with. God does love us how he is. But they want to stay that way because they don't care about the cross of Jesus anymore because it's been removed out of their lives. And if they believed in that, then that means they would have to change. And people don't want to change anymore. You know, often it's interesting. I wonder, how big is the God that we actually serve, folks? How big is our God? Is he big enough to tell us what to do? Is he big enough to tell us what to wear? Is he big enough to tell us what to eat? Is he big enough to tell us how we are supposed to speak? I mean, how big is your God in your life? 
is he big enough to tell you to watch, to get ready, to be looking for the second coming of Jesus? I mean, how big is God in your life? The problem we've got in many of the churches today is there's no more love for absolute truth. Because when you have absolute truth, the conversation ends. And in many of these churches, that's only about a dialogue and a conversation which never comes to an absolute understanding. Please listen to me, though, carefully. I'm not trying to be hard. I believe wholeheartedly that we need to be loving and accepting. I'm not trying to, folks, listen, I'm not trying to trash everybody. There's a lot of churches that are doing good things, but the truth is there's a large majority that are not following the things that God says, but they're calling it holy, and they're telling us it's worship, and they don't even have the time to warn someone to get ready. And I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to cry out, and they're going to say, why didn't you tell me? You know, folks, I can tell you something truthfully right now. You can love somebody into heaven, and you can also love them into hell. When you don't stand for the truth, you don't stand at all. God is calling us to not only care about our fellow man, but to care about the truth. The truth in God's word. Look, none of us have all this figured out. But when we read God's word, do we want the truth more than we want error? Or do we want to do what we want to do? Because we see what happened in the book of Judges. Every man wanted to do what was right in his own eyes. They didn't want to do it God's way. I want to read back over what we went just a second ago in 2 Timothy. I want to read this to you one more time. I charge thee, therefore, 2 Timothy 4, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall turn unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist to make full proof of the ministry. Yes, there will be a time, folks, and it time is now when people won't care about the truth in God's word. There is nothing we can do to stop the world from doing that. But Paul does give us a command. Preach the word. Stand on the truth. Speak the truth. Even if it costs you your ministry, speak the truth. Five, he says, watch. We need to watch to be ready for the coming of Jesus and endure sufferings. There is a price to be paid for following Jesus. People, yes, they will hate us. But he says we have to do the work of evangelist anyways. And you know what? Even though there are those who will hate us, you know what? There are those who will love us too. Because God also has others that will care for us even in these tough times. You know, I've opened up back in the 50s and the 60s. People prepared for nuclear war. Because the threat was real. It was real. Today, folks, the threat is even more real. Not just the threat of nuclear war. There's a far greater threat out there. 
that is in full swing in the churches in America today, and it's coming into a church near you if it's not there already. Truth is being thrown in the streets, and confusion is setting in. This is the devil's plan for the last days, and we don't have to be a part of it. If you're struggling with sin, folks, if this is the hour and you're and they're like, Frank, I, I'm hearing you. I understand they're not hearing it, but I'm struggling. I can't get over this right now. I'm trying the best I can. If you're struggling with sin, the key to victory, folks, is not to manipulate the Word of God to fit our sin. We cannot do that. The key to victory is to get into the Word, to get into prayer, and to separate from the things of the world that are bringing you down. See, folks, I don't care what you've done, okay? Because when it comes to the chief of sinners, that's been me. I've done everything wrong you could ever imagine about. The fact that I'm here alive today and that I'm still married and have a family is only by the grace and the miracle of God. I've done everything wrong. And so, folks, I understand. Listen, there's no sin you're going to tell me that's going to shock me. I've probably done it. But you know what? This is not the hour. that Just because I don't like something that God's Word says doesn't mean that I don't have to follow it. I'm not here to judge anybody on this program, but I want you to know that no matter how bad the problem is, our God is greater and He is able to deliver us from whatever sin we may have problems with. You might need to find someone. Folks, if you need to find someone to confide in, if you need to find someone to share something with, email me, remnantcall at outlook.com. I'll, I'll, I'll email you back. I'll share. I'll bring it to the Lord in prayer because I believe God is in the business of deliverance. And I know many of you that are struggling right now and feeling like you can't get out, like you can never overcome. I know what it feels like to feel that you cannot have victory, but I want to tell you right now, stop fighting directly against your sins. You will never win. Your battle against your sin directly is in vain. Folks, what we got to do is we got to seek God in this hour. We got to seek him with all of our heart. We got to pray. Get in the prayer closet. Stop battling your sin directly. You cannot do it, but you can seek God. He says, seek me first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all things shall be added unto you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Folks, you've got to stop battling your sins directly. You've got to start seeking God with all of your heart. The threat is real. This is time to prepare. Jesus is coming, and the truth of God must be in our foundations of our faith. Excuses are left to justify our sin. No lack of prayer time will prepare us for the second coming. God has more grace than you have problems, so what are you doing and sitting back and wasting time when we should be on our knees? God is in the business of deliverance, and he's wanting to deliver you tonight. You know, last month, I'm working network engineering, folks, and last month we had an attack that went worldwide, and within hours it crippled computer systems, hospitals all over the world. They called it the WannaCry ran, uh, ransomware crypto virus, and now we had another one this week, the Petia, which is also a ransomware crypto virus, and I'll tell you what, it was our first taste of what is coming in this new age of cyber warfare, and as an IT guy, a network engineer, it is frightening. 
because there's no antivirus in the world that could stop the WannaCry and Petya. There's no antivirus when it is preying on a vulnerability in the operating system. No antivirus in the world can stop it. Now, there are firewall tricks you can do, but what they were showing us, these hackers are showing us nowadays, is that they can bring our systems down in, the moment, in a moment. And I'm going to tell you right now, and they get it into the power grids, um, it's over with. Because when you can't start up the power grids anymore, when you can't start up the, the power plants, when you can't do it because everything is encrypted and they cannot run, things will come to a screeching halt. When you can't run your computer systems, they won't be shipping food. When you can't run your computer systems, the grocery stores will shut down. When you can't run your computer systems, the water will stop flowing in town. We got to be ready and following Jesus because he will get us through these times. The threat is real. It's time to prepare. Folks, I want to close with a verse I play always at the beginning of my show. And I think sometimes you hear things over and over and they don't really sink in. But I want to share it with you slowly here. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, and in the remnant who the Lord has called. God's saying that whoever will cry and call out upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Folks, it's right. There's a storm coming and the church at large is asleep, but not God's remnant people. And I don't know, I'm not talking about a specific denomination. I'm talking about the remnant, those who are wanting to come out and saying, God, I want to be in the inner circle. I want to be in the most holy place. I want to hear the voice of God. I'm tired of living in this outer court worship. I want to move to the inner court and then into the most holy where the very voice of God is spoken. And that's what God's calling us to this hour. If you're going to a church that's not preaching the Word of God, then find another church. If you're going somewhere that they are sharing false doctrine, find another church. Folks, there's a million churches out there, and if you can't find a church and say, God, please lead me to some people that, can, that are serious about this hour that I can fellowship with. Because, folks, God didn't design us to walk by ourselves. We are to gather even the more together as we see the day of evil coming. We are to get together because God understands what it's like when we fellowship with like-minded brethren. And folks, there's more out there. If you feel like you're the only one, hey, listen, so did Elijah. So did Elijah. And the Lord said, hey, Elijah, uh uh-uh. I got 7,000 others out there who haven't bowed their knee to Baal yet. Now, folks... God loves you. I share this message tonight, not to be harsh, but to wake us up. See, when, when you went through the things that I went through, and when you've done the bad things that I've done, and God is still willing to forgive, the least I could do is serve him. You see, there was a moment when I, when I had no hope, when I felt like I'll never get off these drugs. 
I couldn't stop running around. I was the worst of the, all the worst you could ever imagine out there. And God still had mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, as my family was falling apart, everything was over with, all that stuff was going away, so I didn't look like there was no hope, and then God rescues me in one hour of one day. And he saved my life and my family. And now, 18 years later, to be able, 19 years actually later, 19 years later, to be able to see both of my children that have given their lives to Jesus, to see them go down in the waters of baptism, is mercy like I've never known. And it was like that woman when she was weeping at Jesus' feet. And they looked at her and all they could see was a sinner. All they could see was all her filth and rottenness. And all Jesus could see was someone who was so happy to be forgiven. And he loved her. And she wept at his feet. And she wiped his feet with her own tears and hair. Because those who have been forgiven much, love much. God is full of forgiveness. He's full of mercy. And he's full of love. I don't know what you're going through right now. But God's calling. He's calling you to come on home. This is the hour. This is the time. Won't you come back to Jesus? Father in heaven, pray for anybody that's been listening to this program tonight and in the future. That they would understand that God's calling. He's not angry with them. He just wants them to come home. Lord, you understand what we've done and how we've reproached your name how we've given the enemies of God a reason to scoff because of our actions. How we've said time and time again, Lord, I won't do that again, and then we go do it again, and we hate ourselves for it. And Lord, you're still saying, come. My grace is sufficient. God, I pray for that person right now that feels that they can't get free, that they're stuck in a struggle like they've never known to cry out to you, Lord, that you are willing. And, and Lord, that you will come just like the prodigal when he came over that hill, when he came home that says the father took off running to catch him. Lord, go running to your people tonight. They need you so bad. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who have lost loved ones, for those who have, who have been suffering lately in attacks from the enemy and who feel like they just can't get a break to understand that you got them. Lord, I just ask that the peace that passes all understanding, the mercy that comes from on high, the presence of the Lord would be around his people. They would understand that God hasn't left them. Father, I pray 
that you would renew a spirit within us, a spirit of prayer, a spirit of, of Bible study, a spirit of fasting, a spirit of just all-out seriousness in our walk with God, a spirit of compassion upon the lost, a spirit of forgiveness for those who have wronged us, a spirit of love for those who seem unlovable. I ask it all in the name above all names. Jesus, Yeshua, Amen. Folks, this is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying goodnight and shalom.